0: This is A Diet of Brussels. In this episode, I'm talking with Jacqueline Miner, who's the head of the European Commission's representation in London. We were talking uh, in her uh, office uh, on the 25th of September 2015. If you want to hear some uh, thoughts uh, about that interview, you can listen to the interview guide, which is episode 64. Maybe the first question to think about uh, is what does the Commission do uh, generally and and what does the Representation Office here uh, in the UK do?
1: Okay, well, uh, the Commission is effectively the permanent administration of the European Union, equivalent to the British Civil Service. But it differs uh, from the British Civil Service in that, according to the founding treaties, it has certain rights which would not normally be exercised by permanent officials. So, for example, it comes forward with proposals for legislation, having consulted widely, having assessed the impact, uh, and collectively those proposals for legislation form the work programme of the Commission and thus set the agenda, to some extent, uh, for the European Union as a whole. The representation here in, uh, in London, and we have offices in Cardiff, Edinburgh, and Belfast as well, um, comes within the communication arm of, of the Commission. And our job is, is that, really, to represent and to communicate. But we always bear in mind that communication is a two-way process. So it's as much about um, listening to people here Understanding the interests, the concerns, the worries of the British public, um, British business, trade unions, other interest groups. Reporting those back to our colleagues in Brussels, but also explaining uh, what European policy is, what ideas are being developed, um, and how the institutions work again to the general public but also to those with special interests and obviously to them via the press.
0: Uh, Within that particular role then, uh, what role does the Commission have or indeed foresee having in both the renegotiation and the referendum campaign uh, when it happens uh, next year, the year after, whenever?
1: So within uh, the renegotiation, uh, the Commission has... Now, let me go back a step. A renegotiation is, in the view of the British government and, I think, of the other member states, essentially an intra-member state negotiation. So it's being carried on under the auspices of Donald Tusk, the president of the European Council. Having said that... Um, the technical much of the technical expertise which will be needed to um, to translate agreements which are reached between the member states into textual proposals into um, workable long-term solutions that technical expertise is largely to be found in the commission and President Juncker has set up a task force headed by Jonathan Fall a senior um, official, formerly Director-General of uh, the DG Responsible for Financial Services and Internal Market. That task force is, is really offering technical support, assistance, and uh, looking informally at what solutions might, might be brought to the questions raised by the British Government.
0: And that task force, has that had much activity yet, or is that still in the process of formation
1: It is, I think, now completely formed. It's small, but perfectly formed. Uh, Six uh, officials and two support staff, as well as Jonathan. The Commission's position is that formally it's still waiting to hear what the British government will ask for in terms of its renegotiation. There have been some informal exploratory talks uh, between officials, between members of the task force and... Uh, representatives of the UK government, but the formal position is that uh, the Prime Minister has yet to list in any uh, detailed form what the UK will be asking for.
0: So this is slightly different from, uh, it's not a a withdrawal process, Article 50 kind of uh, member state leaving, but it's also not yet a full-blown Intergovernmental conference type no. process at this point, so it's it's somewhere in the yeah. in between different kind of provisions. So it's part of the something a bit more than just a, a, the general development of the union.
1: Yes, certainly it's, it's more than a conversation. Um, it's not yet a formalised process, um, which would be an intergovernmental uh, convention or uh, or even a formal discussion at the level of heads of state and government. It, the, the British um, renegotiation has been on the agenda, was on the agenda, for example, of the June European Council, but I don't think it's been subject to a detailed discussion at that European Council. Um, we know from the, the Prime Minister's meeting with, with the President Tusk last week, that it will be back on the agenda in October, and again in December. So there are various staging posts um, in the renegotiation, and uh, we will we await further British particulars.
0: So, in the absence, but so until we have a timetable and a substantive uh, content, seem to be very uh, important aspects. The Commission to be clear, isn't advocating one particular outcome or another. It's, it's, it's not a negotiating partner in, in the same way as the other member states.
1: No, although solutions will require the participation of the Commission, probably. Um, we have a broad idea of what might be on the British agenda. Um, the Prime Minister, I think, talks about four headings, which are competitiveness, competitiveness, um, Democratic legitimacy or accountability, um, sovereignty, and welfare benefits. Uh, now, some of those will require interinstitutional arrangements, so they'll also uh, bring into play the Commission's institutional role, and some of them may require changes, that the competitiveness agenda, for example clearly plays into the Juncker priorities in terms of digital single market, um, internal market strategy, energy union, uh, the trade negotiation agenda, all all of those things the Commission has a role in. And uh, any changes to welfare benefits may also require a proposal to be put forward to amend the existing regulations and directives, and that will have to come from the Commission.
0: Has there been any sense in the Commission that that package, those, those four areas that you talked about, that the, the, the British interests in those areas have, have fed through into, for example, negotiations on TTIP or to uh, single market uh, enhancements?
1: Well, all those areas of work were listed by President Juncker in his priorities, the 10 priority document, which um, he drew up and published before he, he took office. Uh, over a year ago, uh, at which stage um, the referendum was not a certainty uh, and therefore the renegotiation was uncertain. So I think um, the agenda of the Commission was fixed by the College of Commissioners, by by Juncker himself and also by his fellow uh, commissioners. I uh, uh, I think it shows that in many instances... and and this is true when you talk to people in Brussels, Uh, there is a very strong British influence on European policy. Um, Often viewed from the United Kingdom, uh, one tends to think that the UK is an outlier uh, and often one, or in a minority of a few, against majority policy thought um, direction. In reality... Uh, I think if, you, if most British people, I <laughs> don't advise it necessarily, were to take the trouble to read the Juncker the document with the 10 priorities, it's not a lot that they would find in disagreement with the priorities of not just government policy but overall British interest.
0: Why do you think there isn't then that understanding in the UK? Uh, and you've talked about. It. Commission's role in trying to promote debate, yeah. and clearly I, I also have an interest in promoting debate through these podcasts, but is, is it about a lack of understanding, or a, do you think there's something else?
1: Well, I think there are a number of issues. The first is, obviously, there have been crises which have overshadowed the, the mainstream agenda of the Commission. So uh, we've had the Greek crises, and we now have the refugee crises. So the ongoing work in other areas, like digital single market, like the energy union, uh, tends not to get the prominence that it might do otherwise. Second, um, it is in the nature, I think, of British press reporting that they focus... First of all, they focus on crises. That's that's understandable, that's headline-grabbing, that's immediate, that's urgent. But also there tends to be a frequent narrative which sees European policy-making in the same way that it sees British policy-making. And um, British government is very confrontational. You look at the House of of Commons, you have government and opposition facing each other across the, the, the dispatch box. European policy-making is much more based on compromise and consensus, slow evolutionary progress, progress will change. And I think that can be quite difficult to capture for a British audience. Okay. If
0: we think ahead then to the referendum whenever it might happen yes. uh, before the end of 2017 uh, what role does the Commission have in that? What role does this office have if any?
1: So the Commission has has said in response to a number of parliamentary questions that it won't be campaigning um, and i in the referendum, but we will be carrying on, business as usual, so we'll continue to inform and to communicate on policy. Uh, And I think what we will clearly see is increased interest in European affairs, European policy, the work of the institutions, and I fear that we might see a commensurate increase in... um, Misreporting or inaccurate reporting. So, part of our job will be to correct anything that is said inaccurately.
0: What, uh, well, I, uh, that's clearly already something that, that yeah. you do, and uh, on your website you already have. A,
1: a to Z, a, Z of Euromyths. A to
0: Z of uh, Euromyths, and uh, yes, there's constant updates of things like <laughs> that. Are we never
1: lack for material. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the difficulties that I I think I've noticed when when talking about the information side of the the work is that it's often represented as propaganda. Yeah. Well, I can guess what you think of whether it's propaganda, but how, how, how would you engage with that kind of charge?
1: Well, the Commission commission has a duty, in fact, under the Treaty of Lisbon to communicate about European policy. So we're exercising a duty which has been agreed to and indeed imposed upon us by all 28 member states. We carry out that duty in a way which we think is neutral and as objective as possible. I don't think we lack for challenge, either in the political sphere or in the media sphere, in, in this country in particular the remainder of the union as well, there are some things that we are careful to do in the United Kingdom in particular. So, for example, educational materials we only supply at, on demand at the request of a school. Um, other materials similarly, you, we we don't do mass mailings. We send it out when we're we're asked to do so. So, I think there are some things we need to be careful about, but nevertheless, to do our job. Okay.
0: Uh, One last question. When you were talking about the communication, you also talked about taking what's happening here in the UK back to Mm -hmm. to Brussels and to the Commission uh, as an institution. What kind of messages do you take back? (laughs) As much as we uh, we talked a bit about perception problems Mm. here in the UK, is there a perception problem in Brussels at all?
1: Um... think there has been. I think that may be changing. Um, And it's not just, no doubt, it's not just the reporting that we do back to um, the Commission, but I'm sure that um, the Member State Embassies here in London are also reporting back to their respective governments. So my impression was that for quite some time there was a belief in Brussels that either the referendum wasn't going to happen or it was a foregone conclusion that it would be decided in favour of continued membership. I think that has changed to some extent. They are aware that there is a real debate going on uh, in the United Kingdom and uh, that it will continue up until the referendum and that the result is is by no means a foregone conclusion. I think what we are also able to do with our reporting is to show the shades of opinion across the political spectrum here to show the issues which have salience in the public mind um, and also to to sort of to provide the, the a more nuanced shaded um, perspective than perhaps you would Ghana from reading the British press everybody in Brussels speaks English Um, mostly they listen to the BBC uh, but they also read the newspapers so sometimes it's not exactly a corrective to press reporting but it's a a slightly more distanced um, perhaps measured approach to an issue than than you would get from reading reading the daily news reports